We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. And um, Scripture says, When he, Jesus, came down from the mountain, he just preached the Sermon on the Mount. Great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You know, the, the leper didn't doubt that Jesus could make him clean. He just didn't know if Jesus wanted to make him clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him saying, I will. I believe I will. Be clean. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So the context is that Jesus had been preaching about the kingdom of God as he sat on the top of the mountain. You see, Jesus came down as Savior to his people, but his purpose was to bring them up into the ways of the kingdom of God. Whenever a king was about to make rulings, he would always sit on the throne, and it just it just kind of hit me that when Jesus was going to preach, he went up the mountain at the very top, and he sat down, and he brought his disciples close to him so that he could teach them the ways of the kingdom. In Ephesians 2, 5 through 6, it says, Even when we, talking to the church, were dead in our trespasses, he, Jesus, made us alive together with Christ the Lord. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. So we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you're sitting in heaven. It means that you are co-ruling with him. You are sitting with him in a position of ruling and reigning in the earth. I said, well, I don't, I don't believe that, that. You might say to yourself, I don't see that. I don't believe that. Well, that's why you don't experience that, and that's why you don't act on it. We have to function by what he says, not by what we feel. Feelings are wonderful. Feelings are great. There's nothing like feeling happy, joyful, all these kind of things. However, you cannot allow your feelings to rule you. They have to be brought into, into submission, into subjection. And if your feelings want, are telling you something contrary to the Word of God, you have the authority to bring your, he, your feelings into check to what God's Word says. Right? What do you do when you're feeling afraid? You, can, you lash out. You get mad. You tell everybody. You do it. That's what, you know, that's what we do. You know, we just say, oh, and we just, you know. But what we should do, see, what we're doing is we're letting our feelings talk to our environment. But what we need to do is we need to take the Word of God and talk to the environment and bring our feelings into subjection to the Word. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Right? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No tongue that is raised shall stand. If God be for me, who can stand against me? And you begin to speak the Word of God into the environment, and you bring your feelings into submission and subjection to the Word. Just like having children. Children are wonderful. But you have to train up a child in the ways of the Lord, right? You have to 
teach them. You have to train them. You can't just let them do whatever they want. You have to bring boundaries into their lives, and it's the same with how we feel, okay? So anyway, uh, in our text, after teaching the people, Jesus is coming back down the mountain to them, and what's important for us to grasp is that the kingdom of God is not some far-off territory. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 21, for indeed the kingdom of God is in your midst, or the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom was not on the mountain. <coughs> Excuse me. The kingdom was the place where the rule and the reign of God was taking place. The kingdom was in the hearts of men. In this case, the kingdom was with Jesus because he is the king of the kingdom. I say that because what I want you to grasp is that when Jesus came down the mountain, the kingdom came with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Matthew 4, 13 through 17 says, Leaving Nazareth, he, Jesus, went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawn why is the light dawning why have they seen a great light because Jesus is there and from that time Jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand so Jesus not only taught the ways of the kingdom the kingdom of God was with him he also demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God how did he do that? Matthew 24, 23 through 24. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. How many diseases? Every one. How many afflictions? Every one. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and the Bible says he healed them. In 1 John 3 and 8, the Bible says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So you're saying sickness and disease is the work of the devil? Well, actually, the Bible says that. Bible says in Acts 10 and 38 how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good healing all those who were oppressed of the devil so are you saying if I have sickness and disease that I have a demon no I'm not saying that what I'm saying is sickness and disease is not the work of God it's the work of the enemy and Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy in Luke 4, 18 and 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus is preaching, is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. What is good news to the poor? The kingdom of God is at hand. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. What is good news to the captives? Liberty. Recovery of sight to the blind. What is good news to the blind? Recovery of sight. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. What is good news to someone that's oppressed? They've been set free. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor, the Jews would have understood it as to proclaim the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, all your debts were wiped out. 
Everything that caused you to be captive was wiped out and you were set free. The acceptable year of God's favor. So, likewise, when Jesus, he did these things, when he realized that the work was great but the labors were few, he sent the disciples out and he told them to do the same. Went about preaching, teaching, and healing all. What did he tell the disciples to do? The same thing. To declare the kingdom of God is at hand and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. The primary way that we see demonstration occurring is through healing. In Matthew 10, 6 through 8, he says, But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what does that look like? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out de de demons. You receive without paying, give without paying. So in our text, when Jesus comes down off the mountain, he brings the good news of the kingdom with him. When a leper approaches him in faith, Jesus demonstrates the kingdom by healing him. So there are a few things I'd like to touch on in studying Jesus' ministry and the way that he went around healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Now let me first of all say that I don't believe anyone here is on par with Jesus. But everyone here has Jesus living inside of them. Paul said, uh, um, uh, how does that start? I know, I know the second part of the verse. It is no longer I that live, but... He said, I've been crucified with Christ. There, uh, um, and the life I live, I, I live by faith in the Son of God. is no longer I that live, but Christ in me. Something like that, okay? But it, what he's trying to say is that Jesus lives in me. However, Jesus lives inside of us, and he was the one who said in John 14 and 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Now, Personally, I don't necessarily believe we're going to do greater in quality, but we will do greater in quantity. So how do you believe that? Because now there's just not one person full of the Holy Spirit doing the works of God, partnering with the Father. Now there are multitudes and, and could be up to billions of people in whom the Spirit of God lives, in whom Christ lives, going around doing good, healing all those who are oppressed of the enemy. See, what I'm trying to get you to realize is that at Azusa Street, every one of these people here will say, I saw three to five miracles every time I went to church. In the church, they saw three to five miracles. I mean, and we're just reading, I don't know how many accounts we have, but there could be many other people who have the same number of accounts. It was normal for them to experience 30, 40, 50 miracles every service. Right? Jesus doesn't want us to just experience the miracles and the healings here. He actually wants us also to take it out there. And what if every one of us got a grab and a hold, I mean, got a grasp and a hold of what we're trying to bring out? This is just the demonstration, the, re, the visible demonstration of what God preaches about in his word. If we began to function the way that God says in his word, then I, I believe that we could all come back saying, man, I saw... Ten people get saved. I saw ten people get healed this week. I saw the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead raised. 
And you say, well, pastor, that's what you're supposed to do. No, that's what we're supposed to do. You getting what I'm saying? So what I want to do is I want to let the Jesus set the bar on how ministry should be. And he was the perfect example that we pursue in carrying out his will for us. Let, let me give you an example. If you were going to be a, a runner of track, let's say you were going to you know, run a, a track, um, obviously you could have some talent, you could be fast, you could do whatever you're going to do. But if you want to get better, you have to learn from people that do it well. Today we would, uh, we would watch and, and examine uh, maybe Usain Bolt and how he did it. We might go back and look at Carl Lewis and how he did it. We might go back and look at Jesse Owens and how he did it, uh, the techniques that they used. How did they run so fast? We would study them. We would examine, and we would try to emulate what they do so that we could get better in our quest to become a better runner. Well, we do the same thing, and we're called to do the same thing. If we want to do ministry effectively, we study the model, and the model is Jesus. He's the model. That's why we keep going back and looking at it. We say, well, how long are we going to keep talking about this until we start seeing it, and then we'll talk about it some more. Because the Word talks about it a lot. John basically tells us, man, I could give you so many volumes to fill the world with all that Jesus did if I were to tell you everything that he did, but I can't, so I limited what I told you, but I want you to know that if I told you everything, you wouldn't have time to be able to hear it all. So anyway, first point we want to look at about Jesus' ministry is Jesus healed immediately say that word immediately with me Matthew 8 2 through 3 behold a leper came to him knelt before him saying Lord if you will you can make me clean and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying I will be clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed now I want us to focus on this word in this text the Bible says that this leper was immediately healed of his leprosy now as I read the Bible I believe that Jesus's results when it came to healing were weighed almost completely on the side of people being healed immediately. Now, because we're not Jesus, we obviously have not and do not always see those same results. So we comfort ourselves with the one time or the two times that Jesus prayed again. Somebody prayed for someone, they didn't get a full and complete healing, so he prayed for him again, and then he got a complete healing. Well, that actually comforts me. But I don't want to set the bar on what is the exception. The rule that I see, the general principle, is that when Jesus prayed for someone, they were immediately made whole. In Matthew 8, 22 through 25, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and laid him out on the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he said, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people that look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. While this, this is true that Jesus prayed here more than once, he, he prayed twice. But even then, the expectation was that he would see immediately 
you didn't see right away, let's pray one more time. He saw immediately, right? So my point is, I don't want to lower the bar to what we presently experience. I do want to take comfort in the fact that even Jesus had to pray more than once, but I don't want to lower that to my standard. I want to begin to believe God for the way that He saw things happen. Because the Bible says, uh, with God, all things are possible to those who believe. And you have not because you ask not, and you're not going to ask for anything that you don't have an expectation for. And so I want us to always set the bar for Jesus. Remember, I don't want people to look at me and try to learn how to run by looking at me. I want people to learn how to run. If I was a track uh, guy, you would, you would be pretty disappointed if you try to learn how to run by studying me. Study those that can run well, right? And so while I can be a, an example for you in some areas, there are other people in our church that are better examples in other areas on how they run. We can learn from them, but the ultimate model has to be Jesus. How did he do it? We all need to raise our standard to what he saw. Amen? So, um, as with the case of the lepers, so many people that came to him were healed immediately. To me, immediately is the norm. Praying again is the exception. Right? So the first thing that we see is that Jesus healed immediately. The second thing we see is that Jesus healed thoroughly. Can you say the word thoroughly with me? Now let's spell it together. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Even I had a problem. I was grateful for the spell check. Okay, so Matthew 8, 3 through 4. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So when Jesus said, Go to the priests, this man that had been a leper was being sent to an authority who, if finding even a hint, of leprosy would label him as unclean. So this man was not only healed immediately, but every trace of leprosy was gone. He was healed thoroughly. He was healed completely. Such was the nature of Jesus' ministry. I'm telling you, I feel the, it's either got colder in here or I feel the presence of the Lord. Now, I want us to recognize the scope of Jesus' power. And as we pray for people, I want us to believe God for immediate healing, immediate results. Obviously, if people don't get healed immediately, we do want to counsel them that sometimes you can recover. It takes time. But I want us to believe for the immediate. But not only for the immediate, I want us to, to be an expectation that when we pray for people, they're not just going to go from a level 4 cancer to a level 3 cancer. We're grateful with that when that happens. We want that to happen. We want to see progression. But I want to believe, God, that if we pray for some Someone with a level four cancer, when they go back to the doctor, they're going to have no cancer. So I want us to believe that they're going to get a comprehensive 
healing in their life. And that means more than just being free of the affliction that they were bearing, but the totality of what makes us up as human beings is made whole. They're whole, not just physically, but they become whole spiritually. They become whole emotionally. They become whole in every area of their life. We are more than just natural physical beings. The Bible says that we are spirit, soul, body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God doesn't want you whole just spiritually. Oh, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful. We want you to go to heaven, but we don't, I don't believe that Jesus wanted you to get right with God and go to heaven and bear sickness and disease and cancer and affliction while you're here on the earth. How do you know that? Because when I read about Jesus, he healed immediately and he healed comprehensively and the Bible says he healed Heal them all. He is the Word of God made flesh. He is the will of God made visible to us. Well, I go here, or I've seen this, or I've been in that. Again, we don't want to let what we have seen be the bar. We want Jesus and the Word of God to be the standard. Well, if I make that the standard, I fall short. Well, you know what? When I fell short and I was learning how to play tennis, then I didn't quit tennis. I learned how to get better. I didn't try to make everybody else worse. I tried to get better. But the church seems to have this understanding. Well, if I can't do it, then we need to dumb it down. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm talking about... We, we need to lower our expectations, and that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to believe God for what He experienced, and then we pursue, we walk out believing that the promises of God are still the same yesterday, today, and forever. His Word is forever the same, and He will do what He promised He would do. And so we need to begin to believe God and raise up. Remember, He came down, but not to stay down. He came down to bring us up. 3 John and 2, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So it's not, we say, well, it's just about your soul. Well, it is about your soul, but it's more than that. The word sozo is the word that we translate into the word salvation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. That's the word sozo. The word sozo means wholeness. The woman that was the issue of blood, Jesus said, who touched me? She had already been healed, but when she turned around and she recognized him and he acknowledged her and, and called her daughter, you see, everybody had called her unclean. But he turned around and said, daughter. He didn't say your faith has made you healthy. He said your faith has made you whole. And that word whole is the same word we get the word salvation from. Okay, so then in Acts 3, 6 through 8, the Bible says Peter and John were going to the temple. When they were going to the temple, there was a lame man that had been sitting there 
uh, and uh, they was asking alms of people. They turned to Peter and John and said, you know, uh, can you give me something? And Peter, I, I'm just kind of giving you the, the general overview. And then Acts 3, 6 through 8, Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give unto you. How could Peter be so bold as to say what I do have? Because he knew who lived inside of him. He knew he had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He had received the salvation of God. He'd walked with Jesus. He knew what the bar was. And he said, what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And here's the thing I want you to see. And I heard Brother Brace preach this one time. It really impacted me. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Why is that important? Because he wasn't just walking. He was healed physically. But he was leaping. That means he was healed in his soul. And he was, uh, or, or spiritual, uh, in his soul. But he was also praising God. He was healed spiritually. Spirit, soul, body when Jesus touched him he was healed thoroughly so Jesus healed immediately Jesus healed thoroughly but the other thing we're going to see third thing is Jesus healed everything Matthew 4 23 through 25 you know it's getting late maybe I just just quit what do you think we just stop right now we'll come back we'll do part two next week what do y'all think it's getting a little cold in here you know it's Oh, you want to live in? Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> part three. Jesus healed everything. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. There wasn't one, I'm just thinking, there wasn't one where he, that came up to him and he said, no, I can't heal that one. And I can heal almost everything, but I, I can't heal that one. Now, the Bible says he healed everything, every sickness, every affliction. Well, have you ever heard of this? I don't have to hear of it. Jesus knows about it. And the Bible says everything was what Jesus healed. And the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he healed everything then, if he's the same, he'll heal everything now. doesn't matter how common or how rare he healed it all. So keeping in mind what we just saw on the point above, Jesus' healing ministry was not simply limited to the physical. Jesus' ministry was all-encompassing. He healed everyone of everything they suffered from. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs or our sicknesses. It's translated in Matthew. And he's carried our sorrows, or Matthew translated it as our pains. And with his wounds we are healed. Psalms 103, verse 3, David looking forward, uh, uh, looking at the Lord, but also uh, re revealing who God was and what we experience under the new covenant. Same God, old covenant, new covenant, same God. Forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Not some, not most, not what everybody else has, but not what you have, but all. And you're included in that. 
What I want you to grasp is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of physical affliction, no matter what kind of emotional affliction, no matter what kind of psychological affliction, no matter what kind of demonic affliction, no matter what it is, Jesus healed it all. He healed it all when he walked the earth, and with his victory at the cross, he paid the price for anyone and everyone, no matter what your battle. If you come to him in faith, he can and will heal it all today. How does it do that? It's the same power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God. He is power. He releases power. And that power has the ability to heal everything. Again, we use this example quite a bit. But if you were to plug a vacuum cleaner into the wall, it'll run the vacuum cleaner. Unless it's one of those that y'all donated a couple. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if it's a working vacuum cleaner, it'll power the vacuum cleaner. If you have a drill and plug it into the wall, it will power the drill. If you have a blow dryer, and power it in, and plug it into the wall, it will power the blow dryer. Whatever you plug into the power, when it connects, it will power that device. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is the power is the same. The power to save, heal, deliver, set free is the power of Jesus Christ, the power that's found in the gospel. And if you get a hold of him, he can set anything, everyone, and he can set you free of it all. Same God, same prayer, same faith heals all. It is the power of God available to those who believe. All things are possible. Not some things, not most things, but all things are possible to those who believe. I'm so thankful. I mean, this is a little thing, but I was reminded in, uh, in um, Africa, I went and we had a healing line and lady came up for prayer and uh, you know we were pray prepared to pray for physical healing uh, all that kind of stuff but she came up and I'm glad she didn't tell me the details and the reality is that sometimes the worst thing you can do is share all the details <laughs> because we're human and we're like oh 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 you know <laughs> but we don't heal Jesus heals but the lady came up and said, I, I would like you to pray with me for my, I think she said it was her son. He said, you know, I want him, he's been gone and I want him to come home. Well, sure, no problem, you know. Simple prayer, God, uh, I pray that you'd pray, you know, come down, bring your child home in the name of Jesus. Thank you, we agreed together. Not a, not a long prayer, you know, not a super, like, powerful prayer, just a prayer of God. We join together and let's believe God. And, and uh, so anyway, she comes up. I don't remember. It was the next day, two days ago. I think that was like on a Thursday or Friday, and they had testimonies on Sunday, something like that. And she comes up. She testifies, and she said, I just want you to know that my son has been gone, and I have not heard from him for five years. Thank you for not sharing that with me the first time, because then I, <laughs> I wouldn't have had faith to believe at the time, you know. Well, five years, you know. Well, anyway, uh, she, she, she said she'd been gone for five years. And he said, I came up for prayer. I think it's the gist. I came up for prayer, and I want you to know that I went home, and my son called me that night. Either that night or the next day. And he said, he said, Mama, I'm coming home. But not only that, he said, and I want you to know, Mama, I'm a Christian now. 
You see, sometimes what's afflicting us is not physical. Sometimes it's the people that we love are not where they need to be. Can God do it? God can do anything. All things are possible to those who believe. Jesus healed, the fourth point we're going to look at is Jesus healed every one. Matthew 8, 1 through 4. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I believe at the heart of this leper's question was not whether Jesus could or would heal, but whether Jesus would heal him. Jesus said that he was willing to heal him. And what we see throughout his ministry is that he, was, he healed all who came to him. Not some, not most. He didn't, somebody didn't come to him like I told you before and said, I'd love to heal you, but my father said no. He healed every one. Matthew 12, 15. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all. You know, the Bible teaches there is no partiality or favoritism with God. God doesn't differentiate between genders, ethnicities, wealth, age, class, any of that. Luke 20, 21. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, for truly, but truly teach the ways of God. Romans 2 and 11. For God knows no partiality. God knows no favoritism. In fact, when the Spirit of God was poured out on the day of Pentecost, what is noteworthy was whom the Spirit of God fell upon. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Did you notice that it says they were all filled with the Spirit? Everyone who was in that upper room, men, women, young, old, uh, Jews, uh, uh, Galileans, they all received. Peter then goes on to relate to the crowd that gathered the scope of God's promise to those who believed, that gathered the scope of God's promise to those who believed when he said in Acts 2, 15 through 18, for these people are not drunk like you think, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, young, old, shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall see dreams. Uh, uh, men, women, old, young, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour on my spirit and they shall prophesy. Did you notice that everyone is able to access the promise of God? So the leper's question is the question that many of us have that I believe the enemy continues to bring up before us so that we will not trust God and believe. And, is, if God is, and the question is, is God willing to touch and heal me? And I want you to know that I believe the Bible makes it absolutely clear when Jesus said, I'm willing. He wasn't just talking to the leper. He was talking to you and I. This is the will of God. I am willing. How do you know? Because he healed all who were oppressed of the enemy. Everyone that came to him in faith, he healed them all. So what we see tonight is that Jesus healed instantly. He healed thoroughly. He healed everything, and he healed everyone. His ministry today continues through you and I, his people. As he did then, 
so too are we to do today. We are to believe God and aim for the same results. So whatever it is that you're going through, and I believe that the Lord changed everything. I, was, I have a series. Didn't you know that, Lord? I had it all worked out. Marty had it all on the computer, and I'm sitting in the bathroom, and he says, preach this. Why did he have this change? It wasn't for me. It's for somebody here or somebody watching up there. God wants you to know that his part, his life was given for your health and your wholeness. And yes, he heals you. Whatever you got, no matter where you're at, no matter how long you've had the condition, whether you deserve it or not is not an issue. Jesus never said, I'd love to heal you, but you know you did this to yourself. Right? I've been smoking for 20 years. Jesus, should, I, I deserve what I got. Everybody deserves what they got. It's not whether you deserve or not. It's God's mercy and grace. It's his love poured out upon us. And see, that's how the enemy keeps us from coming and receiving. So whatever it is that you're going through, that Jesus that was revealed to us in the word of God is here with us today. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. And again, what that means is all the promises of God continue to be the same. Yes, I'm willing. How do we receive? We come into agreement with it by saying, amen. I believe. I agree. I receive. It doesn't matter how young you are how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you believe you deserve it or don't. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what race you are, how much or little you have or you own. It doesn't matter what you're suffering with, how small or how great the affliction. Everyone who comes into agreement with the promises of God, who calls on Him by faith, is eligible to receive. Paul said it this way in Romans 1 and 16. I've already quoted many times. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Everyone here is included in the everyone. Everyone out there that's listening is included in in the everyone. Doesn't matter whether you're in the States, doesn't matter whether you're in Pakistan, whether you're in South America, it doesn't matter if you're in Africa, it doesn't matter whether you're in the Northeast or the Southeast or the Northwest or the Southwest or you're in the Great Plains, you're in Canada, it doesn't matter where you're at. Everyone that hears the gospel is included when he says whoever or everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means wholeness. Jesus doesn't want you just getting to heaven and suffering while you're here on the earth. He wants you to be whole, spirit, soul, body, every dimension of your life. Well, see, can you give me another scripture on that? The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. He didn't say life uh, eternally, life spiritually when you die. He said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Not just when you get up there. We will have that. But he wants you to have it down here. Well, why haven't I had it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <laughs>